0: Good morning. It is a great time of year when we celebrate the birth of Christ. Then we think about how he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, how he defeated death, how he came back to life so we can have eternal life. But what sometimes we forget is that Jesus also came to be our friend. Would you please stand and sing with us this morning?
1: What a friend we have in Jesus, east to west, my sins are gone, and I see grace on every horizon, and forever and ever his heart is my home. No more betrayal, for he is faithful, he fills me up and my cup. The grace on every horizon, and forever and ever his heart.
0: hopefully. (laughs) I was going to say something. Titus 3, (laughs) verses 4 and 5 says, but when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the spirit let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful that we can come together this morning and that we can have that regeneration, that we can be a new creation through your son, Jesus. We're here to worship Jesus together this morning. And Father, I pray that what we're offering up this morning is just an extension of the life we're striving to live for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning good to see everybody today. It's a blessing to come together today. Somebody, I don't know who did it, they turned on the air conditioning outside. I don't like that, <laughs> but at least it's comfortable in here. Well, this morning we're here to lift up Christ together, and we're asking that you please fill out your connection card for us. If you're watching online, you know what to do. It's The, the instructions are right there. But this morning we're here to to glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and at this time... We're going to take a couple minutes. I want you to go around. Please say hi to somebody you don't know, because if, particularly if we have people here that don't know a lot of folks and they're just standing there like, well, nobody likes me. So don't do that to anybody, be nice. And also, just as a reminder, remember, we've got cold and flu and COVID and junk going around. So just, uh, you know, if you're real susceptible to that, you can kind of do what you got to do to say hi. But go around and greet someone. Just
2: I'm my daughter's name. Maybe I'll be able to remember. That. I'm so terrible with names. I won't remember. <laughs> awful with me. I'll, I'll probably meet you five more times and say okay, Diana. Diana. Okay. Diana. I'm Donna. Okay. I'm Dan. And Mila. I'll try to remember I'm just terrible with names. Hi. I'm Jan. I bet we've met. No? Oh, okay. I've seen you right here. Jan. Jan. Nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Donna. Hi Donna nice I'm to too. meet you. <laughs> hey, Cheyenne. I know you. <laughs> That's <Donna>. Sean. <sighs> this, yeah. this is my absolute worst part of the whole service. I just want to dive we, under we a chair. We started not coming for this part. Oh. <laughs> and a then a he said that it was kind of a rocker. Oh, yeah, oh to, to make, make you feel yeah. guilty, huh? Yeah. Oh. 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 oh me. Okay. I met three people I didn't know. Did I get a gold star? <laughs> Your grace God I need it every day it's the only thing that ever Sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears. It's like holy water. Your forgiveness. 21 says she will give birth to a son and you are to name him jesus because he will save his people from their sins Joy 14, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with (laughs) angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. He won't abandon He won't receive He won't desert us He won't ever leave He'll never forsake us He won't ever run never
1: reject us.
2: seated okay we were hoping that you were going to fill in that part that you know we forgot to sing I heard a few of you out there so I thank you for that
0: it's obvious we're in the throes of Christmas season, in the throes of that season. It's supposed to be a season of joy and peace. But when you look around the world and you look around you, do you see that? I mean, isn't it great that we see all this joy around us? I'm glad to see when I look at the world around me that I don't see any wars, no hate, no racism, no <clears throat> racism no sorrow, no pain, no anger. It is so good to wake up every day and know that we live in that kind of world, isn't it? Well, you would hope maybe during Christmas season we could get a break from some of that, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for the most part. When we look back at Isaiah chapter 40 and verses four and five from last week, this is what the whole series is based on. We learned that the nation of Israel was far from experiencing peace. They were, they were moving in and out of captivity They were suffering God's judgment because they continually were disobedient to God. Through the prophet Isaiah, however, God offered a message of hope. And I want to go back and look at verses 1 through 5 in Isaiah just for a reminder once again today. It says this Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, tell her that her time of warfare is over, that her punishment is complete. For the Lord has made her pay double for all of her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, clear a way for the Lord, build a level road through the rift of the valley for our God. Every valley must be leveled, every mountain and hill leveled, excuse me, every valley elevated, every mountain and hill leveled. The rough terrain will become a level plain, the rugged landscape, a wide valley. The splendor of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it at the same time, for the Lord has decreed it. This morning we're going to be looking at two. We're going to focus a little bit more on the other two subjects that are tied together. Title of this message this morning is deals with comfort, but what we're really going to talk about is something a little bit different. The thing with comfort is when do you need it? Generally, we need comfort when we're sad, when we're depressed, when we're stressed when we're let down, when we're, or maybe we're in physical pain. And remember as a child, particularly, when you hurt yourself, what would you do? A lot of times you'd cry and you'd go run to mom, run to dad, or run to whoever your guardian was. You told them you were hurt and you would run into their arms. And they say, oh, I'm going to kiss that boo-boo for you. And, and, you know, it's like it's still hurt. But the great thing about it is somebody was there to commiserate with you. Someone was there to show They cared. And that's what, it's, what happens when we're comforted. Even in our pain, we can be comforted. But when we look at the issue of comfort, we're going to see how being comforted can lead to peace. Because if you're not comforted, you won't have peace. In other words, if you're screaming in pain from cutting your finger off or something, um, you're, you're not going to be able to enjoy peace in that moment. And when you look at the world around you, it becomes evident that we do not see peace because what's happening is we're in a world that's full of hurt, full of broken people, people who are hurting, and many times people who are hurting, what do they do? They hurt others. Maybe it's their life experience, but something within them tells them that things aren't right. And when you're not at peace, when, you don't have, when you're not comforted, you can't be at peace. <laughs> What's interesting is Isaiah chapter 40 is located right after, if you know your math, right after Isaiah 39. And Isaiah 39 was a chapter of judgment. But God follows that judgment up with this passage that we looked at last week and we're kind of building everything on for the next couple weeks of saying, hey, there's hope. See, the people are going to be judged, or they have been judged. They're going to be conquered by the Babylonians. They're going to be hurting physically, emotionally, generationally, and spiritually. But one of the most important aspects of Isaiah chapter 40 is that call for comfort. God says through Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people. However, in the context, Isaiah goes beyond the comfort of the Israelites to reveal a comfort that God wants to bring to all of humanity through the chosen Messiah, through Jesus Christ. 700 years before it happened, he's talking about it. 700 years later, though, where we are going to be in our passage today, this promise is coming to pass. Something in the world is going to change. The date's about six BC. A game-changing event's about ready to take place. Luke chapter two, which is a passage we're going to focus in on this morning, in verse fourteen, it's a well-known verse in Scripture. It's part of the account of the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. But to understand the, histor- the, the, con- the historical context of this verse and to gain some depth from it it's crucial to understand the broader historical and religious background of the time. At the time in 6 BC, Rome was ruling. Rome ruled most about, just about everybody about that time. But they also ruled in Judea, where Bethlehem was located. It was under Roman rule. The Roman Empire had conquered various territories, including Judea, and had, they had imposed their authority over the Jewish people. Now, you follow that up by looking at what the Jews were expecting at that time. The Jewish people had a long history of waiting for a Messiah, the promised one who would deliver them, who would liberate them from what they thought was foreign oppression and establish God's kingdom on earth. And once again, that philosophy, that theology is still going around today, even though Jesus debunked that. See, their expectation was rooted in Scripture through the prophets, through the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, That's what they were expecting. Now, the Jews also believed the Messiah would come. That's what they were waiting for. But they saw him as a political and military leader who would overthrow Rome and restore the Jewish kingdom. Now, this expectation of a powerful Messiah was prevalent during the time of Jesus' birth. Now, notice once again, even God's people, they were expecting the wrong thing. They were putting their hope in the fact that, hey, this Messiah is going to come and deliver us politically and put us back on top. And we have to be careful as Christians, and particularly when it comes to politics, politics aren't going to be our salvation, thank God. Who's sitting in the White House will not be our salvation, or who's not sitting in the White House won't be our salvation. As Christians, we need to be involved in the the political landscape. We need to. But that's not our salvation. And see, the Jews... What, what happened to them, I think, in part, is because that's how they saw Jesus, I think it affected how they had their relationship with God, because Jesus wanted to deliver them in a much different way. Now, in fairness to them, if you're enslaved to the Romans, basically, uh, and you're thinking, okay, the Messiah is going to come, naturally, he's going to kick them out and put us on top, but Jesus wasn't about that. The historical context of Luke 2, 14, takes, significant, takes great significance when we understand the landscape that was going on around the time, This part of the, excuse me, this verse is part of the angelic announcement to the shepherds of Bethlehem proclaiming the birth of Jesus. The angels declared in part, glory to God in the highest, acknowledging the divine significance of the birth of Jesus. Then the second part they says on earth peace to those whom favor rests, it carries a message of hope and a message of peace. It's important to note once again that the peace that Jesus was going to be bringing was not primarily political or not social. And many times if we're not careful as churches, we can get overly political and we can also get overly social on a social gospel, thinking that's going to fix everything. When what we need to be focusing in on something a little bit different. The birth of Jesus is seen a fulfillment as a fulfillment of God's promise to send a savior who would bring peace between God and humanity. Luke's gospel emphasizes that Jesus came to bring salvation and reconciliation between God and his people rather than leading a political revolution. These verses reflect a broader message of Jesus' ministry, which is focused on spiritual transformation and the establishment of God's kingdom, not on earth necessarily, but in the hearts of all the individuals who come to Christ. So we're going to dive into Luke 2.14 together this morning the big idea to the message this morning is this, that, that God wants to comfort and bring peace to hurting people and to a hurting world through the work of Jesus Christ. And that's a key part of it, through the work of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you want to follow on screen, we'll be at Luke chapter 2 verse 14. It says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. So we're going to look at three areas of life that we need to be able to get a grasp on if we're ever going to be able to enjoy, as Jesus calls it, the peace that surpasses all understanding. So the first thing that we need to be at peace with is we need to be at peace with who God is. We have to be at peace with who God is. In Luke 2:14, the angel declares, glory to God in the highest. And this phrase is used for us as a reminder that the ultimate purpose of everything is to glorify God. Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much ugliness in the world? Why is it that even in homes of many Christians, these things are happening? We can come up with many reasons. We can come up with a lot of excuses. Well, childhood stuff, people, re- we can come up with all kinds of reasons, but there's really a root reason to all of those reasons. A root reason as to why as individuals we're not at peace with God, why we're not at peace why we are not at peace with who God is. In your life, who or what is first? I know we say, that's Jesus. And I'm not saying this from a judgmental part. I have to ask myself this question a lot. Who do you seek to bring glory to in your life? What is your life about? See, when we sin, what we have done is we've waged war against God and we shift glory from where it rightfully belongs toward him, and we shift it to either ourselves and or creation. Romans 1.25, Paul warns about this when he says that we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And he talks about this. He says, and they, changed the ex- they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so what we do is whenever we put ourselves or anything in this world as number one, what we are doing is we are replacing the creation, us, with the creator. The word glory, by the way, refers to honor and praise and the splendor that belongs to God. Glory is an attribute of God's divine nature. Glorifying God means that we do this, we honor, praise him, by acknowledging him as the source of all things. Losing sight of who God is allows us and causes us to misalign our priorities, and we get a distorted perspective on life. So long as we reject God or think that we can save ourselves or think that we can do all these things, we'll never be at peace with God. God has a solution, and only God, that can restore our broken relationship with him and even with those around us. It began with the birth of Jesus, who came to reconcile us to God. We will never find peace. We will never find peace unless we humbly accept his love and his grace and humbly accept who he is. Attempting to save ourselves, rejecting God's redemption is futile. And what it does is it results in frustration and dissatisfaction we're always going to be looking for something in life that we'll never find outside of christ true peace and contentment and comfort and fulfillment comes to us when we surrender our lives to god and glorify him by aligning our priorities to his will ultimately when you if you were to really look at your life and me to look at mine too it's 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 for me also who do we seek to glorify? See, are you at peace with who God is? Being at peace with who God is allows us to humbly submit to his plan, accept his grace, and to find true peace through glorifying him in all aspects of our lives. We don't leave God out of any area of life. You can't be a Christian and not be a Christian in everything that you do. Our, our goal is to be like Jesus. Marriage counseling is one of the most frustrating things I've done in ministry because I naively thought, oh, Christians, man, they love each other. They're going to get along. They love Jesus. Wrong. <laughs> it do not work that way. You know why? Those problems in your marriage are a sign of a deeper problem. And you know what that deeper problem is? You are not comfortable with who God is. You don't trust Him because maybe you're the recipient of bad behavior, you don't trust that He can make it right. Or if you've been hurt, you don't trust that God can right the wrong. And so we take it into our own hands. We take God's place. See, until I submitted my life to Jesus, I didn't experience peace and comfort in my life. I allowed people to hurt me. I allowed people to belittle me. I allowed people to define me. And I was always fighting that, always fighting that battle and I couldn't find peace or joy in my life. Anytime I can't experience peace in my life, it's when I have failed to give glory to God. When I cease giving glory to God, I cease giving glory to God by deciding to make my own plans and to follow my own ways. I cease giving glory to God when I seek to take on the role of God in my life instead of trusting him and letting God be God. There's a God in heaven and it's not me. The shepherds were about to see the greatest thing ever. They were going to be there for the birth. They're going to get to see the Messiah who was born. But it's interesting to note. Imagine that you're going to have a child. You would, and you announce it to people and you think everybody'd be happy. Typically they are. Oh, you're, if you're pregnant, you have a baby. What if somebody says, I'm gonna kill that kid. No, you ain't having that kid. I don't like it. Unfortunately, we have this thing called abortion where people do that. But the fa- the fact of the matter is, not everyone was overjoyed with the Messiah coming. Eventually, King Herod he would seek to kill Jesus. Why? Why would an old king who didn't have a lot of life left to him? Why did he? Why was he bent on killing the Messiah? You know why? Herod was not comfortable at peace with who God is. Herod thought he was God herod wanted to be glorified he didn't want this little boy king to receive the glory herod wanted that so you see because herod had a misplaced view of god herod did what he did in our society people are doing all they can and society is doing all that it can to kill jesus figuratively herod did it literally was trying to but we're trying to st- stamp jesus out of everything we're trying to stomp him out of everything and the problem is what happens to society when there's no Jesus. I don't know if anybody was here in Mo- was here went to Mogadishu and those places. Yeah, there's, there's no Jesus there. It was horrible. It's horrible. If you want to make people uncomfortable, sometimes even angry, start talking to them about Jesus. Now, people today, and, and in all times, as a matter of fact, are not at peace with the God who's in heaven the God who loves them. They're not at peace with who he is. See, people want to be their own God today. Even some Christians, they want to be the master of their domain. They want to rule their lives. They don't want to be accountable to anyone or anything, but yet they still want the title, Christian. In the world, they don't want to be accountable. They want to be free to do whatever they want to do. And then they're enslaved to what they wanted to do. Comfort and peace in your life begins... When you give your life to Christ and you continually submit yourself to him, it's not just a one-time act. It's a daily decision. Comfort and peace in your life begins with being comfortable being at peace with who God is, meaning that he's God and I'm not and I'm good with that and I'm thankful for that because he can do things I could never do. I can't save myself. I can't fix my neighbor. I can't fix my spouse, Mine don't need that, but I can't do those things, but when I take on the role of trying to do it myself, I'm, I'm pushing God out. Let's look at verse 14 again. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. A second area that we need to be at peace with or we'll never really enjoy the peace of Christ is we have to be at peace with why we are here. Why am I here? Luke 2:14. the proclamation is and on, on earth peace among people. This declaration reminds us that God sent Jesus to bring peace. And this peace is realized when people submit their lives to Christ. The message of God's glory is not confined to the highest places in heaven. It's everywhere. It's meant to be everywhere. It extends to the earth where we find our purpose and our meaning. The word peace is a word that signifies a state of tranquility, harmony, and well-being that come from God, that these things come from God, And these things surpass all human understanding. Jesus, you know, the Bible talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding. And what that means is, when you possess it, you can't describe it, really. It's like, how do you describe love? You know, you could say baseball and cats and stuff like that, and that kind of catches some of it. But you really can't describe it. But you know it when you have it. And that peace that surpasses all understanding, it's indescribable. It's that tranquility that you have. And it comes through the birth of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And through that, we have that access to that divine peace that God wants us to have. Regardless of the divisions that we create, whether they be racial, socioeconomic, cultural, Jesus can restore harmony and bring reconciliation. So what does this mean for us? For us as Christians, when you've given your life to Christ, we have to find peace knowing that your time on this earth is temporary and that we have a purpose while we're here. I just watched a commercial the other day, it was for Honda, and they were bragging they were going to be carbon neutral by 2050 or sometime. And I'm like, good, more carbon for me. You know, I want to leave a big carbon footprint that says Jeff was here. You know? <laughs> I joke about that. I love it when the rental car company that's already overcharged me wants me to pay more for carbon offsets. I wish I'd have thought of that scam. I could have been rich. But anyway, that's not my purpose in this life. See, many of us think that we're here to consume, get our way, and then, well, whatever happens, happens. We'll be okay. But when you understand the transito- that, that we're here for a brief time, even if you're here 110, 120 years, it's a brief time compared to eternity. When we think that we're here permanently, what we do is we put our focus here. I was talking to my wife, and I love baseball, and I've been kind of following the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Kept hoping St. Louis would sign Shohei. I knew Colorado wouldn't because nobody wants to pitch there. But I was hoping St. Louis would. I knew they wouldn't. You know what that dude inked? Now, the largest contract in American sports was Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs at $450 million. Any of you here like to have 450 million bucks? That'd be kind of cool. um, Shohei signed for $700 million for 10 years. $70 million a year to play a game I'd kill to play. My my body wasn't all busted up. And my wife, of course, she always has a tendency to bring a better focus to things that I do. And she says, well, if he doesn't have Jesus, what's he got? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My first thought was $700 million. (laughs) (laughs) 699.999 699.999 more than I have, but but see if you're focused only on this world, that 700 million, which believe, me, as a Christian, if you had that kind of money, you could do a lot of stuff with it, okay, other than for yourself. But if your focus in life is just this world, then you've hit it. But when Shohei passes, and I don't know his his salvation, everything already's a nice guy and everything, but I don't know he is, if he's a Christian. But let's say that he's not. When he dies, where's it going? What's it going to do for him? You know, his family will be happy. See, if my focus is on this world, and I think I'm only here, I'm going to put 9,000 hours a week into my job. I'm going to consume as much as I can, spend as much as I can, get everything that I want for me. But when you realize that you're here for a short time, your purpose changes. Now, it's not, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money, nothing wrong with having your stuff. I, I don't really care. It's between you and God. I like stuff too. But if that's your sole purpose, you're not going to feel peace because you're not going to be at peace as to why you're here. See, we have to embrace the responsibility that God has given us to proclaim, to share, and to show the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we talk about what's going on around the world. You realize stuff that's going on, in, 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 like in Israel right now. That wasn't because people were doing anything to. That goes back a long way. Grudges. That people in that part of the world live off grudges. If you hurt my great grandfather, I'm coming after you, even though you never did anything to me. That's kind of the mentality out there. But see, Jesus can bring peace. Because if people were at peace with who God is and with what the, reason, the reason for being here, we wouldn't have these things. Now, we live in this world. It's never going to go away totally. But we have a unique role in making a difference in the lives of others, making a difference, offering them the opportunity to experience the transformation that comes through peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus changed me, and I hope he changed many of you too. And anytime we look at people and write them off what we're doing, and sometimes you've got to distance yourself from people, I get that, but overall we just, oh, there's no chance for them, we are missing the boat. See, our job, our purpose is to glorify God. And if I'm not comfortable with why I'm here, I'm not going to be at peace because I'm always going to be fighting this battle inside of me. God me, God me, God me, God me. And then it becomes me, God, me, God me. You know, we fight this battle. Let's be at peace with our purpose, knowing that we're here for a season for a reason. And that season is the the time we have on earth. Let's dedicate ourselves to trying to bring peace to people, the peace of the gospel that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share that message. Show that message. Share that message of love, that message of hope, that message of reconciliation so many families get destroyed because they think there's no chance for reconciliation and for christians we ought to say yes there is jesus can bring reconciliation to your family you just got to turn that way if i'm not at peace with why i'm here my life will have no meaning when i when i was called to ministry man i fought it for a while because i had a good job with a fortune 500 company Security, health insurance, nice thing to have. Vacation, a gym is all great. And I always told my wife, so "If I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, and nothing wrong with McDonald's, except their hamburgers aren't good. But other than that, uh, they're starting. They're going to make them with real meat now. I understand. But anyway, if I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, uh, they're not going to sponsor this video. By the way, um, um, I would have left the company a long time ago. But you know, that whole time I felt called, but I didn't want to let go of that security and the company I worked for was great God put them there for in my life for a reason for that season of my life but I had a hard time letting go you know what I was miserable inside I was miserable because I knew this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing now when God answered my prayers I put the fleece out and man he nailed it I was miserable but the day I was able to walk out of there and it was nothing to do with the company it's a great company but the dad's able to walk there. You know what changed? It just—I just like, wow! I got to do what you called me to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do what you called me to do. And it just changed your life. It's a life changer. Let's look at verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom He is pleased. The other area we have to be at peace with is you have got to be at peace with who you are. See. Notice in verse 14, it says, there's going to be peace among people, but which people? Those with whom God is pleased. Now, if we're not careful, we can say, yeah, well, God only wants certain people to be happy, to be joyful and peaceful. Well, in a sense, he does. Those gifts come to those who come, who belong to him. How, are you, how do you please God? Do you, do you please God by giving a lot of money to church? Yeah, make me happy, but... Um, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Do you please God by doing some prayers or reading a book or, you know, being nice to people? All those things are great, but you know how you please God? You give your life to him through Jesus Christ, and then you strive to live the life that matches that gift that you've been given and that you give. And so when, you're, when you belong to Christ, you are pleasing to God. Now, this statement emphasizes that that only happens for those who are in Christ, why do people react negatively when you bring up Jesus? Why is it so uncomfortable? You know, we can talk about sports with other people, even if you like, like the Patriots, which I really love what's happening. You know, They're having a really good season. It's great to watch. But, uh, you know, a Patriots fan and a, and a football you know, fan of like the Chiefs, or you all can get, the, you can get together and talk, and nobody's uncomfortable. You have fun with each other. And, but, boy, you start taking Jesus to that same person, it gets a lot it gets very uncomfortable very quickly. You know, part of the reason that this happens, the reason for the discomfort is I firmly believe that down deep inside of us, we knew something's not right with us. We've been searching for something that we can't find. We can't put our finger on it, but we keep trying to fill it with something. It's kind of like, uh, you ever had a craving for something? Like uh, I typically have cravings once in a while for ice cream. Man, I love ice cream. Okay, let's be honest. Cookies, cake, (laughs) pie. Okay, I'm just being honest. I love all those sweets. And and I tell my man, I got this craving for some sweets, and she's, my wife's very practical about these. She said, well, you know what? We got some spinach and some green beans. (laughs) You want some of that? (sighs) Nothing wrong with spinach and green beans in the proper perspective. It's called the garbage disposal. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, I like green beans. I like some spinach, but if I'm craving the ice cream, I can eat a bucket full of those other things. Guess where Jeff's going? He's going to go Dairy Queen, yeah, or Sonic, or, you know, Sammy's and Julie's, or whatever, man, and Cold Stone. And I can name every other place in town that has ice cream. I mean, um, and I could be stuffed full, but man, I'm just that craving's, I can just be busting out of the seams. I, I got to have that ice cream. I think people in their life, They need that ice cream, and they're filling it up with a bunch of other stuff. They need Jesus, and they're filling their life with all these other things, and it just isn't fulfilling. It's not not scratching the itch. We lack peace with Jesus, even as Christians, because we are not at peace with who we are. Many individuals struggle with being at peace with who they are, and you know why? Because what they do is they let their past define them, their past mistakes, they let the opinions of others define them. I feel sorry for girls because you guys have it rough. I've seen some of the most beautiful girls in my life a mess mentally because you're not 32 pounds like your anorexic friend is. You know, you, the world tells you what beauty is and you've bought into it, okay? And it's so bad because so many people aren't at peace with themselves because they don't like themselves. They don't think they look good when if you put them in one of, the, one of those shows we used to watch years ago, they put a person in this glass box and people go by and say, Yeah, yeah this person's smoking hot and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, a lot of you ladies, if you got in one of those boxes, 99 out of 100 dudes are like, Yeah, that's pretty. But you'd let that one destroy you. And so we're not at peace with God because we aren't at peace with who we are. We let the world destroy, the, the, the define us. You let our past define us. So I've seen people who have given their lives to Christ who still are miserable because they can't let go of the past. You realize when you're baptized into Christ, you, what does the Bible say about this? Is uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to rise and walk in the newness of life. So that means that other stuff doesn't matter anymore. Don't let the world define you. I watch, if you want to see a good movie, go see The Shift really good went to see that yesterday and the guy that played satan man he is he scary man he nailed it but he did a great job of getting this guy to do, just to doubt you're terrible look what you just did god can't love you and that's exactly what we do because we're not at peace of who we are in christ once you're at peace with who you are in christ it doesn't matter if somebody thinks you're skinny or fat smart or stupid you don't care because you know who you are in Christ that's all that matters one day I don't care how beautiful you are right now one day as we there comes a point where all that stuff fades it just does it's we don't look like we did when we were 20 but what never fades is your relationship with Christ those people who are judging you right now that you're letting define you guess what are you going to stand before them one day in heaven nope stand before God so why do they matter? But see, if you're not at peace with yourself, everyone matters. And you're going to be miserable. Jesus offers us an opportunity for peace by embracing our true selves and who we are with him. The angels make it clear that peace comes to those who are pleasing to God. And those are the folks who've given their life to Christ. In Luke fifteen ten, we are taught that the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. Why? because that's the purpose that's what it's all about and the fact that the angels even rejoice tells us how important it is and so what in our life when we start being at peace with who God is we start being at peace with with why we're here and we're at peace with ourselves we can share that peace with those around us I've seen way too many people tortured and tormented you've seen them too you want to live life that way you don't have to you don't have to the angels told us the great things that God was going to do through Jesus. And we have to determine if we're going to make that in the central part of our life, if we're going to make it our mission in life, to share that gospel with those around us so that they can have the same transforming relationship that you have. Are we doing Jesus, are we, are we doing the thing with Jesus just with our mouth or with our lives, with our heart, with our soul? And when Jesus becomes who you are, All of a sudden, people start listening. Salvation brings us into a relationship with Christ. And we get that relationship because Jesus started with the birth, but there's more to the story. And when we do Easter, obviously, we talk about the resurrection. He's seated at the right hand. Without the birth, the resurrection, the death, the resurrection doesn't happen. But God loves you. We should do everything that we can to be at peace. And I pray this morning... That if you're not at peace with yourself that you start looking down deep and asking yourself why and asking God help relieve me of the burden that's taking my peace this morning our praise team is going to come up and sing lead a song lead us in a song of decision and if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior we invite you to come forward this morning to do that Jesus went to the cross not so you could be in misery not so that you could be defined by everybody else and everything else not so that you can just spend your life on the world but he came so you could have eternal life through him and that you can share that message with others in this hurting world you can't change the whole world at once but you know what you can change one person at a time through the gospel will you take that challenge this morning if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior we invite you to come forward this morning if you're an immersed believer and would like to make first Christian your home we'd love to have you come forward this morning and if you're struggling and need prayer if you'd like to come forward I'd be glad to pray with you but this time, let's stand together and sing great things. One of the greatest things ever was a salvation that we can have through Christ. During this time, we take a moment to reflect on the great things that God has done. I mean, it's not a great thing to die and not raise up from the dead. Um, why celebrate that? We, it doesn't do much for you. But the great things that God has done through Jesus is He's offered us salvation and eternal life. And as we take our communion this morning, we can be reminded of what it took for that thing to, for that to happen. It took the blood of Jesus to be shed. It took the body of Jesus to be, just take the punishment that we deserved, And the great thing is that we can have eternal life through Jesus because of his shed blood, because of what he did for us. And, you know, it takes a lot of love to die for somebody. You know, we've had people die for our country because they love our country. We've had other people sacrifice themselves for other people because they love them. God showed the ultimate love for us by allowing his son to go to the cross to die for us. I don't know if any of us in here who have kids would have been able to do that, to say, you know what? Yeah, go ahead and take my kid, sacrificing him for everybody else. I'd be like, well, sorry, y'all in trouble. <laughs> um, it takes a lot of love to do that, and God showed that. When you take your communion this morning, I pray that you reflect on that love. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that we can have this time of communion, that we can remember the sacrifice your son made, and that we can focus on the love that it took to do that. Father, I pray that as we take this communion, that if there's things that are redefining us other than who we are in you, that we can rid ourselves of those things, and that we can just bask in the the joy of being one of your children. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. On the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Um, the elders and preachers are getting together at 3:30 today. Jerry's having his groups, and we and Roger's having his group this evening. Uh, Jules has LOL this week, and the leadership team meeting takes place this week also. We do not have Wednesday evening Bible studies until January, but Lori's group is meeting, and Lori's getting ready to c- bring a new group together from the Joy of Living. Uh, study that's going to begin on January 17th. So if you'd like to sign up for that, they're going to be looking at the letters of James and the letters of John. Um, Just so you know, at our annual meeting last week, all the candidates for respective positions were all elected pretty, you know, very overwhelmingly, so that's good. Next week on Saturday at 2 p.m., Kelly and uh, Kelly Barclow and Bill Hillwig are getting married, and everybody's invited, and they're going to have cake and punch afterward in the fellowship hall. So I'm going to be here for that. But uh, but anyway, if you'd like to come, they'd love to have your presence here. The food pantry, we're looking for some items. You can see that. Mark, uh, on Sunday, I've had a few people ask me about Christmas Eve. Typically on Christmas Day, we have not always had two services, mainly because a good chunk of my band's out of town, so it's kind of hard to, unless I can get one of them to play drums and guitar and sing and do everything like one of those monkeys, you know. Um, but on Christmas Eve, was it... Sean you, Palmer, if anybody can, he probably can, but um, the um, the thing is, we're going to have our regular services on that Sunday, eight thirty 30, 1045. Uh, at 6 p.m. that evening, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service, and uh, if you've seen it on Facebook, it's, the poster's really wonderful. We'll get some, I think, printed for the building also, but yeah, Sean Palmer made those too, um, if you look real closely at Ralphie, he looks, Ralphie looks very familiar, like he's some, one of our young men in the church here, but he looks great, and uh, his eyes weren't shot out, because what, Jesus doesn't have a bb gun, apparently, (laughs) but uh, six o'clock on Christmas Eve, come, you'll, it'll be joyful, you'll have a great time. Um, I think that's all the announcements that I have. On the back of your bulletin, you'll see our prayer concerns. Uh, Please be in prayer, especially for Seth Baldwin, Sean, and uh, Don's favorite son, I mean one of their sons, um, uh, he's stationed at Fort Campbell, and you, if you were watching the news, that area got just trashed by tornadoes. Their house took a direct hit. They were all in the bathroom, all cuddle, huddled up, and so they weren't hurt, but they basically, from what Don told me, they've lost everything. I wanted to ask Don, what did Seth do to God to make him so mad, but, uh, but it, was, it was a rough rough thing, and they had a couple more come through also. So please keep Seth and his family in prayer and Don and Sean as they, um, I know, are very concerned for Seth and the family. Um, we have we want to thank everybody who came to the pancake breakfast. It was really great. We'll have another one coming soon. We have a lot of people we've been praying for with health issues. We have shut-ins. We have troops who are deployed that are listed in our bulletin. Uh, we're praying for TCMI. And we're also lifting up the, the outreaches that we support as a church. So we encourage you to take your bulletin home and to uh, be in prayer for these situations of the week. So this time let's stand together and I'll lead us in a closing prayer and the band will give us a song to walk out with. Father, we thank you that we could come together this morning and Father, I pray that as we live life that we can enjoy the peace you want us to have. That's one of the gifts that you give to us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's obstacles to that peace that we'll be prayerful about them and we'll do what we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to remove those obstacles. I pray, Lord, that people can see the joy that we have in following you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.